0: Ready to talk some Iowa State? I was born ready. Right answer. All right, so let's move over to Iowa State. First game in in a week, obviously, and we've already established that. We're kind of like, I I, I don't know, because we've watched Iowa State tape. It sounds like you've watched. I, I haven't watched like a full game yet. I've kind of watched bits and pieces and chunks of certain games. I have a pretty good sense, pretty good feel of what they do offensively and defensively. Let's start with the Iowa State offense and Brock Purdy and, and Brees Hall and, and Charlie Kohler against Oklahoma's defense because the big question is what the heck's going to go on with Oklahoma's defense? Are they more what we saw against Kansas State or more of what we've had a, a giant sample size of seeing for the most of the year? Pretty good. A, a, a good defense. And let's start with the quarterback at Iowa State. And it's first time Oklahoma will face Brock Purdy, Grant. And I know you like Brock Purdy. I like Brock Purdy a lot. Watching him this season, he looks so comfortable back there. He has a very good command of the offense. Um, he let's see. He's got some good mobility. He's got very good pocket presence. He uh, the one knock on him that I've noticed is that every once in a while he'll tend to stare down some receivers, which against Oklahoma State certainly resulted in some interceptions late in the game, and also resulted in an interception in the fourth quarter against texas tech where he stared down charlie kohler on third down and that's one of his favorite targets along with the other uh, the receiver uh, you probably remember his name i i'm blanking on the, the re- third best receiver deshante today. jones deshante jones he's got a bunch of more catches. athletic
1: devin duvernay
0: <laughs> more athletic devin duvernay but uh brock purdy's really good and he's got good legs he can run when it's not there he's not afraid to pull it down and run and He's pretty good at avoiding big hits. He'll slide. He'll get out of bounds. He, I like Brock Purdy a lot more than I like Sam Ellinger, just because he's more of a like a true quarterback. Ellinger just is, is still kind of raw. I don't think Ellinger's even now, even though he's having a pretty good year. I don't think he's particularly that good of a throw over the football compared to Brock Purdy. Certainly, uh, he's really good, and he certainly has the ability to to, to carve up. Oklahoma in the secondary, especially considering Oklahoma's safety situation. If Delarian Turner-Yell can't play, that's a problem with Justin Burrows in there. Uh, I mean, uh, it's just that's a step down because Delarian Turner-Yell is starting to play pretty well. And I, I'm seeing Iowa State kind of like what Kansas State was able to do kind of target those safeties that play well off the ball in the slot and pitch and catch and get open guys and get chunk yardage and, and get first downs and th- when they need to. And Uh, I, I'm certainly concerned about Brock Purdy and I'll just, uh, I'll leave it at that for now. I'll throw it over to you to give your thoughts on Purdy.
1: I like Purdy. I I think he's good. I think his, his best asset is, is evading pressure in the pocket. He's really good at that. He's really good at extending plays and finding guys open downfield. Uh, he'll turn the ball over a little bit. He's thrown seven picks this year. I feel like through eight games and in 2019 football, seven picks is a lot. That's a lot. Three of them um, against
0: uh, Oklahoma State last time out. And all of and them they were in the bad. They're bad picks. All of them, all bad of them picks. were crunch time. Yeah, they were. One of them returned for a touchdown.
1: And that's actually kind of a – that's sort of a theme with Iowa State this year. They have um, you know over the course of the season they've been a pretty darn good team. They've been pretty bad in crunch time. They they really have not delivered when they've absolutely had to. Um the, the defense couldn't get off the field at the end of of, of the Baylor game when they were at Baylor. Uh, Baylor kind of had a long, kind of bleeding drive at the end, and they couldn't get him off the field even when they had him in third and long uh, a handful of times. Um, everyone knows how that, that game against Iowa ended, where they lost at home, where they just kind of – they definitely peed down the side of their leg right at the end. Um, and then, of course, against Oklahoma State, they lose at home uh, in a game – I, I was I was telling you after or, uh, before we got on to record, if you're Iowa State, how do you lose that game? Like you, you just you cannot lose that game. Um, and they did, they did and, it, it, and Brock Purdy made a lot of mistakes down the down the stretch to make sure that they did lose. so um, but Lee other other than their foibles, when they've made mistakes, when I watch them, I they're really good. Like I, I think, I think they have probably a higher ceiling than any team they've played so far this season. Um, and I think, I think their ceiling was made a lot higher, especially on offense, when they injected Brees Hall into the offense. He is, he adds a a, a, a new dimension to that offense because before that, they just didn't have anyone in the backfield that you had to be scared of. Uh, Brees Hall is really good. He's very, very good, and uh, he's a guy that OU is going to have to pay attention to. And that just makes it even more difficult because uh, Charlie Kohler is a guy who I, who I think is terrifying, is a guy <laughs> I think can do a lot of damage to OU's defense, uh, especially to those small safeties over the middle of the field. And you know Brendan Radley-Hiles is going to be lined up across from him probably quite a bit in the game as well. Um, a lot of stuff that Kansas State put on tape that Iowa State may be able to exploit with their personnel, which I think um, I think may be the from an individual standpoint, maybe the best personnel on offense OU has faced this year.
0: So let's handle both of those players separately. I know you kind of talked about Cole a little bit. Let's let's go to Brees Hall because he's a player that has not been a full time starter at Iowa State until they played at West Virginia on October the twelfth, and finally he got twenty six carries in that game, and ever since then he's been the starter. He had uh, he's been he had a mon- you know, good game against West Virginia. He had a monster game against Texas Tech. And then he was bottled up a bit against Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago, but did still score a couple touchdowns, caught six passes out of the backfield. We were talking about this earlier off air, you know, who he kind of reminds us of, and you think he remind, uh, you know, he he reminds you of somebody that we all know and really like. Who's
1: that? He looks like Kennedy Brooks when he's running. He just he doesn't he doesn't look like he's running at full speed. He's just gliding, and I think he he has a very similar kind of like upright running style as Brooks. I may be alone in that, but I don't know. I, I today I watched probably I don't know thirty carries of his, and when he's in the open field, he looks a lot like Kennedy Brooks to me.
0: Yeah, I just I didn't get that from Hall watching him. I to me he kind of looked like, uh, and again this this could be just a bias of the uniform he's got on, but to me he kind of looks like a a faster version of David Montgomery that that doesn't dance around as much behind the line of scrimmage which that's scary because david montgomery uh you know, his one kind of downside is that he he's not all that he's not a burner uh he you know his, his 40 time at the combine was something like four eight or four seven so i mean certainly not what you want but Brees hall seems faster he's really good and he has certainly made that iowa state offense better makes you wonder how the heck did they not know about this guy up until you know a month ago and so who knows um Iowa State Grant, a top-20 offense, statistically. It's pretty good. I mean, I know we don't really care about total offense that much, yards per game, but technically it's a top-20 offense. On a yards-per-play basis, it's uh, almost a top-10 offense. So, I mean, Iowa State's offense is really good. I mean, they got some playmakers.
1: They're uh, 31st in offensive S&P, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, – I look at their their numbers. They're second in the Big 12 in offensive success rate, and that's at 47%, which is kind of low. And so I, I'm guessing that um, the reason why they're not higher in S&P is probably because they're kind of all or nothing. Um, if they're not getting explosive plays, I, I, they're not the most efficient offense. Hmm. Uh, at least yeah. that's 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 the statistical takeaway from those numbers. Okay.
0: So I'm trying to pull up my my uh, Iowa State notes because I uh, talk about Kohler more and I agree with you Kohler uh, he he might be one of those next like good like move tight ends that we might uh, might see him at the next level because I mean they use him as a wide receiver basically a lot of the times uh, I mean I saw a play against Texas Tech where he beat their starting strong safety one-on-one uh, for a 48-yard gain just just down the field just to go route and I mean it was a great throw by Purdy but I mean it was it was six six on six one. And just I mean, he's a matchup nightmare uh for anybody. And you brought up Brendan Radley Hiles, yeah, man. Like that's that's a nightmare. That's certainly something that Alex Grinch has to be aware of. It's like, yeah, we can't be having having Bradley Hiles across from Kohler because that's just a mismatch. And and they have two other tight ends that don't get as many targets as Kohler, but are also massive that are like six seven and six six as well. So it they they can play big they can they can get in 13 personnel and and, and be big but they can also spread it out get in 11 personnel and, and they got some you know with Petway out there to a wide receiver i mean they they're good i mean they got some talent and they have a, a veteran offensive line too that from what i saw on tape i mean is not you know, dominant by any stretch of the imagination but it's not a bad offensive line they give purdy some time to throw so i mean this is this is a heck of a test
1: it's not uh a- it it will it's not a better unit than Kansas State. I think we can say that pretty pretty definitively. Um, but yeah, I, I think they 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 are better up front than they have been in years past. Although, you know, I recall from watching, you know, before they inserted Brees Hall, they had no running game to speak of whatsoever. Um and now with Brees Hall back there, I mean they're he's he's getting chunk yards, it looks like, every now and then. So um shows you maybe a lot of that had to do with just their personnel in the backfield before they inserted Hall. So I'm
0: curious to see how the Oklahoma front does in this game, because obviously Kansas State's game plan was, one, to run the ball uh, quite a bit, which they had tons of success running the football, and upon rewatching, I mean, there was a couple times where Oklahoma failed to set the edge with their defensive end, but a lot of the times it was just outnumbering blockers to men on the outside and going around the ends and it's just it was so it was a very well called game and uh you know i would say it's going to want to run the ball too but you know are are they going to drop back and try to pass more is 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 this going to be a game where finally we can see you know since the texas game maybe oklahoma's defensive line get off and get after the quarterback a little bit and and maybe
1: you know get some sacks I, i don't know i we'll see what that's where Purdy's legs kinda kinda worry me a little mm-hmm. bit. Um he's he, he's just he's much more athletic than Sam Ellinger is. He just is. And he's much more of a threat to run. He's, he's it's, he doesn't have like insane straight line speed or anything like that. He's just he's pretty shifty. He's shifty and he, he's he knows, smooth. He,
0: I mean yeah. he's not Skylar Thompson back there, but uh I mean he's he's good. I, I mean he'll and like, I'll be curious to see how often they put a spy on him. Because Oklahoma did spy Skyler Thompson basically the entire game. Uh, sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. <laughs> and sometimes and they whenever did, they, they did,
1: didn't, yeah. he burned him.
0: Well, there, there's one where they had him spied and, you know, he had to, he ran, it was on that drive before the, uh, after the interception, but after the Rambo drop interception, it was third and 10, third and freaking 10. And Oklahoma went, uh, went man and they spied him with Nick Benito off the edge. So, they kind of trying to get creative with who they were spying him with and the pocket collapsed and Benito got washed up and the pocket collapsed. And so he was rendered useless on the play and it was an easy, easy touchdown run for, for
1: uh, Thompson. So uh, anyways, I- why? Okay. Can, can we go back to that? Cause that's an obvious tactical mistake. Why on earth would you put when when you're blitzing Murray because I know Murray blitzed on that play, yep. why on earth Asomola would you put your blitz. spy on the edge there? Well, cause, why on earth would you do well, that?
0: Because Moa blitzed up the middle too. I, I don't know. I, I mean, they maybe they wanted to blitz from up the
1: middle and off the edge, and then so they're the one guy that wasn't blitzing was the spy. And then so and then so at the snap of the ball, why wouldn't Benito instantly go to the middle of the field?
0: That I can't answer. I don't know. But the question is, when it comes to this game. Will they be spying Brock Purdy? I, I mean, I don't know. He's not as much of a threat to yes, run as Skylar Thompson, but yeah, I think they kind of have to. And so that kind of gets me to, uh, you know, I saw some so many mistakes in that Kansas State game with coverage and and playing off and playing soft, things that we just hadn't seen. And also some dumb pass interference penalties on third down that extended drives. I, I'm con- concerned about Oklahoma playing off the receivers off the slot guys and giving up easy five to 10 yard out routes for first downs because that happened at least twice against Kansas State on big plays big moments so I mean the middle of the field was open too on a on to shown on a deep post where Oklahoma was playing soft coverage brought prison to eat that stuff up uh, it's you can't give him easy throws like that and so they got to get back to what they've been doing for most of the year and challenging their defensive backs to get up there and play press and get up there and and beyond their men and I know that safety wise that's just not been one of Alex Grinch's principles he doesn't bring his safeties up on the line of scrimmage really at all they're always usually both deep and that gets him in trouble and that's that's my concern will be my concern moving forward against any offense with a pulse that will have seen now plenty of games on tape of Oklahoma's defense because Oklahoma's easily exploited there Grant and and Iowa State certainly has the personnel and the quarterback to exploit Oklahoma in those ways. So I, I'll be curious to see what kind of adjustments Oklahoma makes after this Kansas State game. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. All right. Uh, that's all I have on on this particular matchup. What about you? I mean, we we talked a little bit about this, the front four, secondary a little bit there. I mean, linebackers, I mean, they got to be able to go up there and stop the run and and hopefully don't get washed away. And, I mean – And overpursue as much as maybe we saw against Kansas State. I mean, the running, uh, Oklahoma's been pretty good stopping the run this year, but not against the Wildcats. It was
1: bad, as we all know. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, yeah, I think, I think (laughs) Iowa State has the personnel to exploit, you know, some stuff in OU's defense, but Iowa State's not the first team that they've played that I think had that capability as well. Um, so I think right now we're all just sort of crossing our fingers that that K-State game was just an anomaly. And and you know, the the truth is probably somewhere in the middle as it but,
0: as it tends to be.
1: Yeah. Um and so we'll see. I don't know. The defensive line has got to show up. If if the defensive line is winning the majority of their battles on Saturday night, they're going to win. Sooners are going to win the game. Um that most certainly did not happen against Kansas State. Um and I think that's that's, I think that's pretty clearly what makes their defense go this season. When they're winning battles up front, they're real tough to beat. And when that did not happen against Kansas State, that's, that's what you saw.
0: Well, let's flip the script over to Oklahoma's offense against Iowa State's defense. And a couple of big names, well, at least one big name for sure, is, is not with Iowa State. And he's been out for, for about a month or so. And that's Jaquan. Is it Jaquan or Jaquan? It's Jaquan, right? Jaquan Bailey? Jaquan. My
1: preseason uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year pick, I
0: believe. And he was a preseason All-Big 12 guy, and he's been injured, and he will be back. He's in a red shirt, and he'll be back next year, but when it comes to this Saturday, he will not be involved, and they've been using a uh, the backup defensive
1: end. Like Will McDonald or something? Sure. Sorry, I was... I think? I'm not sure.
0: I, uh, I had it. Um, I just know that... I have an article up here, too. Matt Campbell said that uh, the person who's been true sophomore Zach Peterson has been playing in his absence. And um, at one point, Campbell said that there really hasn't been much of a drop-off when this guy's come in. And I was kind of trying to ISO him a little bit against Texas Tech when I was watching that film. That game was from a couple weeks ago. And, I, you know, he there was like one play where it looked like he – maybe got sucked in a little bit and didn't hold the edge, but for the most part, yeah, I didn't see anything too terrible. Granted, I'm not an expert when it comes to defensive end play. And, you know, I I have a lot of games I'm trying to rewatch. So I, you know, I, I didn't spend that much time on it, but, uh, it's notable that he's out, but they're at this point though, they're probably used to him being out because it's been so many snaps. So, uh, but the other one that I think this guy's going to play because they've had a buy just like Oklahoma, but, uh, Maybe not 100 percent. Grant is safety Greg Eisworth, a player that we both really like, and he's been kind of banged up a lot this year with a shoulder injury. And he played; he missed the West Virginia game a few weeks ago. Came back for Oklahoma State, and on Tylen Wallace's ridiculous touchdown catch and run, he just trucked over Eisworth. And I believe after that play, Eisworth left the game and missed the rest of the Oklahoma State game. So he's been in and out of the lineup. And again, I expect him to play. Just because they've had a bye week but he might be at less than hundred percent which certainly is a, is a positive thing for Oklahoma I mean he's a really good player but
1: uh so something to kind of keep an eye on when it comes to Iowa State's defense but I mean it's very very significant if he is if he's either hobbled or not able to go that's that's huge that is a massive blow for Iowa State's defense yeah he's really um,
0: good he's kind of that yeah. star middle of the field type safety that that's like the move safety that they they Able to put him up, he brings him up in run support quite a bit. Uh, they move around the field a lot. He's, he's good. And, um, so that's, that's certainly notable. But this Iowa State defense, from what I've seen on tape, it's, it doesn't seem as stingy and as strong as the Iowa State defense from last season and then at the end of the season in 2017 to me. It it looks like a team against, I watched Texas Tech, I watched uh, a bit of the Baylor game, uh, you know, handful of the Oklahoma State game. It's a team that doesn't look to be as sure of a tackling team as they have in the past, and it's a team that looks like you can run on them, and also a team that we know that they kind of give up some cushion, but you can throw on them as well. I mean, they give up a lot of plays underneath, and if you just kind of take what they give you, you can move the ball against these guys. And I realize that's the point of this defense—they want to keep everything in front of them and not give up the big play, but. Uh, Texas Tech had a decent amount of success. Iowa State won that game. We know Oklahoma State beat Iowa State and, and had some success on some massive explosive plays. But uh, Grant, this, this defense is good, don't get me wrong, but it's not it's what I've seen on film, it's not as good as I
1: thought it would be. Statistically, the best defense the Sooners have seen so far this year. Hmm. They are, they're 17th in S&P defense, uh, giving up less than five yards per play. I think they're uh, – I have the numbers in front of me. They're fifth in the Big 12 in defensive success rate, so a little a little lower than you would expect, but it's still a good number. It's like at 39%. Um, Yeah, I – you know, they didn't really blow me away when I was watching them. What I see is is a defense that, like you said, is a lot of the time is going to play deep safeties to prevent the big play, keep everything in front of them. Um, they will blitz on occasion, but a majority of the time they're just going to be dropping eight. I'd say probably 80% of the time they're just dropping eight guys into coverage. Um, I think, I think the key to beating these guys, um, I'm going to totally flip it from what I thought the game plan should have been against Kansas state. You got to run the ball against these guys. Um, if you can run the ball against Iowa state, they are screwed. They got, they got nothing. They got no answer for you. If you can run the ball and, um, that's, that's one of those things that OU has had success with the last couple of years, especially with the, with the Big 12 going to that new tight front with the three-man front and dropping a lot of guys, is they've had NFL guys on their, on their offensive line, and it's a lot easier to block dudes, three guys up front, other than, you know, rather than four big guys up front. And OU has done usually a really good job of blocking those fronts. Um, that needs to be their game plan here. So we talked about how I didn't think it was a big deal that Sermon and Brooks didn't get a lot of touches and, uh, against K-State. That needs to be the game plan here. They need to get the ball often, and then they need to, they need to build off that with the play action, and then they need to feed CeeDee Lamb. Just feed them all day long. Go to your pros. It's championship November. Feed the ball to your pros. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, when it comes to them stopping the run, I noticed Texas Tech had, had quite a bit of success. Uh, running the football against them. we know Oklahoma State and Chuba Hubbard just uh, let's see did Chuba have that kind of a game you know I I was for a second I was thinking back to last week when Chuba just destroyed Gary Patterson's TCU defense Uh, let me look at Chuba's numbers I know he had one massive touchdown run against Iowa State you know Chuba had a good game but I mean a, a large portion of it came on that 65 yard touchdown run but Chuba Hubbard went for 22 carries 116 yards and a touchdown and the quarterback run game this is the kind of the this will be a key, which Oklahoma obviously is very good at. Uh, you know Iowa State's going to really load up against Jalen Hurts, but utilizing Spencer Sanders I think was a big reason why Oklahoma State was able to spring Chuba Hubbard, at least for that one and some others, because of the threat of Sanders running. And it's all about the edge and keeping the defensive ends honest. And against Texas Tech, for example, I noticed that it seemed like Iowa State in the second half of that game when Texas Tech was having some some success, and that final score of that game was 34-24, the, the three-down lineman look was kind of hurting Iowa State, and Texas Tech was easily able to just wash that end out, and they wouldn't have a linebacker to come over to set the edge, and it was almost like free yards. And, and if the Tech running back would be able to break a tackle, which happened a decent amount of times, I mean, there was like some chunk run plays against Iowa State, and maybe Iowa State's defense was, it was a situation they were leading the majority of that game early on in that game when it was close. Uh, it was a little more stingy. So, potentially, you know, maybe that was the reason why Tech was able to have more success because Iowa State was winning by a score or two. So, they were kind of holding back a little bit more. As the game got closer, they kind of able to clamp down. But, yeah, this team is certainly a team that Oklahoma should be able to have success against. It's just how much success is that going to be? And it's they've had success against this team the last two years. It's just Iowa State's been able to hold them underneath their season average in points, and yards every time just because of the style of defense Iowa State plays and so that's kind of like why you, you just you don't really know what you're going to get as much hmm let's see but yeah I'm with you I think I mean if they run the ball I mean Texas Tech was able to run the ball pretty well that's going to certainly open up things for the pass I noticed uh, Baylor you watch the Baylor game you know Charlie Brewer first play of the game went deep to Denzel Mims and was like you know what yeah let's just yeah, stretch these guys out immediately because they're together. Maybe have like maybe they'll be back on their their back feet. They'll be flat-footed. Let's just take the top off right away and boom, explosive play over the top. So,
1: yep. And every I mean, uh, every touchdown Baylor scored in that game was their receivers against Iowa State secondary, just winning a just winning a battle essentially. Uh, there was there was one long touchdown pass to Tyquan Thornton. I think that was Baylor's last touchdown, where. Uh, Iowa state was just completely sucked in by a play fake and, uh, and Thornton was able to get behind, uh, the safeties there. So, um, another time that the Mims on the very first play of the game went up and beat, uh, I think Terrell Johnson is the guy or Anthony Johnson beat him one-on-one. And then, uh, for the second or, uh, for the first touchdown of the game, Mims beat, uh, Johnson just left his jock on the floor on a fade, um, easily beat him in the end. Zone. It was actually a poorly thrown ball by Brewer that Mims had no trouble bringing down. So um, maybe Lee, I maybe there's, there's a lot to uh, Iowa state missing Brian Peavy on the outside, you know? Yeah, maybe like He's he was, really he was really underrated.
0: They still have Mike Rose in the middle. He was my preseason, all big 12 player of the year um, defensive player of the year. He He had a, he had an interception against Oklahoma state. Uh, he's, he kind of makes them go, but yeah, if, if Eisworth can't go, uh, you know, they, that, that's, I mean, again, I think he's going to play, but he's just, we don't know how, how healthy he's going to be. Um, you know, up front, they still have Ray Lima up there. Obviously Bailey's out. Um, it's, it's just, it's a solid, it's going to be a good defense again. But, uh, the last thing on that I have, and then, you know, you can add to it, this could be a scenario where, you know, some pretty good numbers you said, right? I mean, the numbers are the, the best defense Oklahoma's seen and, and I think you might have even said like one of their better defenses statistically in the last couple of years or something, right? Or am I wrong about best,
1: that? yeah. I mean, this is statistically right now per S This is the best the Iowa State defense has ever been.
0: But here's how. Uh, look at their schedule, though. And by far the best offense that Iowa State has faced was Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago. And Oklahoma State, granted, uh, seven of these points came by the defense, but uh, Cowboys put up 27. Cowboys won thirty four twenty seven, but again, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez had a pick six. So twenty seven points by the offense. Oklahoma State averaged seven point three yards per play in that game with Spencer Sanders at quarterback, a true fresh or red shirt freshman. Uh, before that, Grant, I mean, the best offense they'd seen before that, probably the week before Texas Tech.
1: No, no, Baylor. Baylor is the best offense they've faced. Baylor is a better offense than Oklahoma State. Really? Yes. Ah, man, that's.
0: Tell it to West Virginia. How did Baylor only manage 17 in that game?
1: I, I mean, I, I like Charlie Brewer, I'm looking at this. Uh, let's see here. Baylor, uh, s- offensive success rate is 46.7%. That's third in the Big 12. Oklahoma State's is 41.8%. That's ninth in the Big 12.
0: Yeah, Baylor's, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Baylor's pretty highly ranked offensively. Yeah, they're averaging.
1: Yards per play. On offense, Baylor is second in uh, in the Big 12, and I think top ten in the country, a little over seven yards per play. Yeah, I mean, Baylor Baylor is the second-best offense in the Big 12.
0: And it looks like Baylor... Actually,
1: you know what? Let's see. I think it actually might still be Texas, but... I don't know. The, November still has to play out.
0: Let's see. I think... Uh, let's see. What was this game? They might have had Jaquan Bailey for that Baylor game, because that was pretty early in the year. That was, like, week four. They did,
1: for sure, but... He uh he honestly he didn't do much. Um I yeah, I y you're not gonna see a lot of pressure from Iowa State's front three at all. You're just not. They're uh the guy who leads their team in sacks is actually a linebacker, O'Rion Vance. He's got six and a half, which is a pretty decent number. Um, but other than that, uh they don't I think like I was looking at their numbers. Their starting defensive linemen, I think, have accounted for like two and a half sacks this year. Like, so I mean they're if um, Baylor is, or I'm sorry, Iowa State is not going to get a lot of pressure unless they're blitzing. they still got
0: Marcel Spears in there. He's a good player. Well, I think he's a, he's a linebacker for them. He's been there for the last couple of years. And uh, Braxton Lewis in the secondary, I saw he, he's been kind of the guy that's been shifted into more of like a, a prominent role whenever Eisworth hasn't been playing. So he'll be a, a player to look out for in the secondary as well, especially if Eisworth isn't 100%. But I guess what I was trying to get at, though, yeah. I mean, they played they played Oklahoma State. Outside of those two teams, I mean, they haven't got much of a test. I mean, I they played Iowa, but Iowa's offense is nothing to write home about. We all know that. Heck, I mean, go back to the start of the year. I mean, that that Northern Iowa game, that was crazy. I mean, they almost lost to Northern Iowa, but we all know. I mean, that's a good FCS team. But, I mean, TCU's offense isn't very good. West Virginia's not very good. Texas Tech with Duffy. Duffy's getting better. But, I mean, now they got – I mean, back-to-back weeks, Iowa State's got OU and then Texas – and then a Kansas team that was shut down, for the most part, by Kansas State. Uh, so Kansas is not great. But then you know Iowa State plays Kansas State. And so, I mean, Iowa State's schedule the rest of the way is, is, is tough. They have a tough schedule. I mean, so is Oklahoma. But uh, I'd be curious to see how that, that defense plays the rest of the year against maybe a little bit better offenses than they've seen for the most part up to this point. All right, so that's all I have on that matchup. What do you want to see happen in this game? Let's shift over to that. Man.
1: I... I'll start. You want me to start? Yeah,
0: go ahead and start.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm going to... Like, obviously, I, I think everyone wants to see the same things. They want to see the run game work. They want to see Jalen Hurts making good decisions. They want to see explosive plays in the passing game. They want to see sacks. They want to see havoc. They want to see takeaways from the defense. And they want to see a win. And so I, I'm no different than that, but I'll I'll take it one step further. I want to see a team with a purpose, a team that has a sense of urgency, knows uh, is not, you know, they don't shrink in, in the lights. They don't shrink in, in, in the enormity of the moment. Because right now, the Sooners are in a position that they probably have not been in, you know, in, in the last four or so years. It's, it, does, it does sort of feel like there's a lot of unknown going forward. So really, the only thing that you can control is yourself. And it just really would not hurt at all to play really well in november and have some style points and so what i would like to see is a team that comes out with a purpose comes out with fire and urgency and if they are getting the better of iowa of iowa state um in the early part of the game and over the course of the game i want to see a team that puts their foot on iowa state's neck because right now and, and this is this is when this is what bob stoops was great for because he understood this Style points going forward are going to be essential. They will be very, very important.
0: So, yeah, I want all that stuff as well, and I'll kind of be like, you. I'll add a couple things, just one offense, one defense. I'll start with defense, defensively, specifically. I want to see on second down, third down, get back to what we've seen for the majority of the year in the secondary, playing up, play tight, don't give up a bunch of cushion, and don't give up easy third down. Conversions. I mean, not only was the problem that Oklahoma was giving up a lot of third downs against Kansas State, they were giving up a lot of third and longs to Kansas State. And a big, reason, a big reason for that was because Oklahoma was playing off, playing soft coverage and giving Kansas State easy throws to convert on third down. Something we have not seen really at all this year. And I did notice, I will say, a bit of an adjustment after halftime a couple of times whenever Oklahoma, again, had a Kansas State player in the slot. With a lot of cushion, I did notice sometimes uh, Patrick Fields or DeLarian, uh, by that point it was Justin Broyles, and sometimes even Brendan Radley-Hiles coming up and anticipating little quick five-yard out routes because they knew there was lots of cushion. So it's almost like they, they had definitely addressed that at halftime. And there was a couple PBUs, and there was even one in the, in the first half where uh, I believe... Uh, Nick Benito was, looked like he was in a rush, but then he dropped off and took away one of those easy plays. So I did see a bit of an adjustment, but not enough to where it really factored into the game. So don't allow those easy plays, especially against... Uh, if you show that to Brock Purdy, he'll take it every time and it'll be a long night. So specifically defensively in the secondary, I want to see that. Offensively, my thing is on Jalen Hurts. And I know you didn't. You probably didn't watch his press conference on Monday. I was there on Monday. It was as
1: soon as I heard that it was the most awkward thing ever. I was totally out. Nope, can't watch it. Sorry. Why? It's such a. I I don't. I, I'm one of those people. I don't do well when other people are in awkward situations. I just I. It's it's a weird human trait. I can't describe it, but I just I don't do well in awkward situations, and all I want to do is just run away.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the the catch-all word for these because you know, it's easy to say awkward to me. It's, it's more, it's just kind of weird. I mean, it's just, it's, it was more weird than normal because every Jalen hurts press conference is a little weird. And before Oklahoma lost, we kind of got to the point as members of the media where we kind of see where he's coming from and you can kind of ask him certain things and you can kind of tell when he'll be joking a little bit in his own way, because he's never going to really, I, should, I shouldn't say never, but he'll rarely ever crack a smile. He'll make some dry comment. And you know, what it it was kind of charming and it kind of worked until Oklahoma now has lost. And then on Monday we played you the soundbite whenever Jason asked him about the running and he didn't want to talk about that. He just said, run the plays that you're executed. Uh, Cliff from the AP, Cliff Brunt just asked a, a very basic question about, you know, after now that you've had more time to go back and, and reflect after Kansas State, you know, what are some things that you think you can improve upon that you can learn from that game? Just a very basic just question to get the player talking. And he just threw in his, you know, you heard it in the very beginning of the show with, with the uh, intro. That was one of his, we we're trying to be one know this week. And so very short. Uh, it's just, it, it works well when you're winning, but it, it, it came off as kind of, it, it, he was being kind of a jerk when you lose. And my thing that I want to see is I want to see him come out. And now if you're going to act like that in the, in the post in the press conference, and I realize that a lot of you might be listening to this and thinking like, Oh, you're a member of the media, whatever. We don't care what you think. And you know, that's fine. You can think that that's, that's okay. Uh, So, I mean, I know my, the way I I think of things are a little bit different than others, but uh, I think I think it's important just to act like a nice guy and just kind of go with the flow and uh, not kind of be a jerk and, and that kind of seemed like how Jalen was acting in that. So, point being, come out and if you back it up and you play awesome and you put the team on your back and you and you lead the you know Sooners to a, a double digit three touchdown win over a really good Iowa State team, you know what? Okay, fine. Like you were super. Th- that tells me you were super focused, hyper focused. You didn't want to talk about anything other than Iowa State, and honestly, you didn't want to waste much time talking to the media because you wanted to get back to your playbook or get back to film. That's how I will have taken it. If you come out and you play really well and you dominate that game and I'll say, you know what? Okay, fine. But, uh, you know, if if not, it's just it's going to it's going to look even worse if, you know, it doesn't play that well or something happens and and you continue to act that way. And so I want to see Jalen Hurts come out and back it up and put this team on his back and be the leader that we have been told that he is and that we think he is. Or should I say that we thought he was? Um, so that's what I want to see, and you know, I, I know I'm coming to coming off maybe taking a little bit of a shot at Jalen, but uh, I just I'm always kind of rubbed the wrong way whenever uh, is just some of the the people that you know we're just trying to do our job, and, and you know, Cliff asked a very easy question, and he he answered the way he wanted to answer it. Fine, um, but um, anyways, I, so I I, I do want to see Jalen Hurts prove to me that the reason why he was kind of acting that way and feeling that way is because he is so focused on this game. That he doesn't have time for us. Like, come on. Like, I'll be here because I have to be, but let's get out of here so I can get back to getting ready for this Iowa State game. All right. Um, and we've already talked about earlier in this podcast, you know, what will happen in this game. We both don't know, but I suppose we can make our half-hearted predictions. And I don't know if you want to go first on this one too. I w- I kind of look up the, what the line is. Cause I'm not sure.
1: It's 14 right now.
0: The other day I saw I was at 13 and a half, so a little bit of money coming out in Oklahoma, it would seem. Fourteen. I mean, a line of fourteen against an Iowa State team who has three losses, but all of them by one score, that seems like a lot of points. Uh, I mean if Oklahoma covers this game, that's really impressive, I think. Uh, so I you know on this Tuesday evening as we record this, I I'm, you know, I I'm tempted to think that Iowa State plus the points is a pretty good bet. Uh, but I, I man, I, would like to think that it was a one-off with the defense and they'll have it a week to think about it. And I, you know, again, we're just going to kind of hope we're going to talk about what we hope is going to happen. And I hope what you were saying is going to happen. They're going to come out with a purpose and they're going to come out, knowing one that's championship November again. And a lot of these players have been around this and a lot of these players have had success in championship November. And I mean, I, I think Oklahoma's going to win the game. Oklahoma's supposed to win all their games for the most part, uh, and and this is a game Oklahoma should win. They're better than Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State doesn't have much to lose right now, but uh, it's a really good quarterback. It's a defense that I'm not so sure is as good as the numbers suggest. To be quite honest with you, but the just I can't get over the bad defensive performance. It just it, it just it ripped off so many scars. <laughs> it just and almost it brought everything back to square one so uh, i think oklahoma wins the game grant i don't know what the score's going to be but i i think uh, it'd be really tough to lay those points i i kind of like two touchdowns with iowa state because they played so you know when they lose you know they lose really close or they win so that's kind of the way i feel about this game right now what about you
1: yeah i agree with you i think ou should win i think they likely will win i think it's going to be a battle so i i will throw out a score i think ou is going to win 41 to 31 I think Iowa State is going to have some some success on offense. I think OU is, is is going to move the ball pretty consistently on offense, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get bogged down in the red zone at times. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, this is a, this is an interesting challenge. I think um, we're going to learn a lot about this OU team and their mindset on Saturday. And um, if you go back two years ago to 2017 championship November. That's when OU really started to hit their stride. Their defense kind of started to improve a little bit, and they they kind of they blew everyone out in that month, and they played really well. And that's why we were feeling really good going into that Rose Bowl. Uh, but then on the flip side, last season they were anything but really smooth in November. They still got through it undefeated, but the defense seemed like they regressed every single week, didn't it? Yeah, and yeah. everything was just ugly. If you recall, uh, they kicked off championship November last year at. At Texas Tech in Lubbock and I think I, I famously said that that was just a garbage football game it was an awful awful football game <laughs> and um let's just I, I I hope that doesn't happen again they need to play better uh they need to have urgency because last year that you know last year they had a schedule that was gonna that was gonna kind of bail them out you know come playoff time and I'm not sure I'm not sure that's the case this year they do have a pretty brutal November schedule um but I mean, up to this point, they've they've played one of the one of the lighter schedules an OU team has played into November that I've really ever seen. Um, so style points are are going to really matter a whole lot. And um, there's nothing else that really can be said. They need to come out and play very well on Saturday. They have to. They have no choice. Just for the record, under Lincoln Riley, and
0: obviously very small sample size is only year three for Riley as the head coach, coming off a loss back in 2017 we'll remember this fondly remember who Oklahoma played after the loss in 2017 grant
1: um I, no i don't yeah uh, texas yeah. right texas. yeah it was
0: texas <laughs> remember we were thinking oh man like we had no idea what to expect in that game It it's very similar to how we we're approaching this like i think going into that podcast that week of that we were like who knows what's going to happen in this game we had no idea You're right
1: you're right good call
0: yeah and and oklahoma came out and was awesome in the first half and then let texas back into it and then finally got the win so uh oklahoma won but didn't cover against texas after a loss in a, in, t- in 2017 uh after the texas lost a season ago of course it's very similar to this one oklahoma went on a bye and they fired mike soups after texas and they came back and they played a bad tcu team and uh beat tcu by 25 points and i'm not sure if they covered that or not i'm not sure what the line was at that time and uh so that's that's it. I mean that's that's you know that's that's after a loss. And so now it's after a bye week against uh you know it's this year grant it's like a mixture of the last two years. Like Oklahoma's playing a good team after the after the loss after a bye week. <laughs> Whereas like in 17 they were they didn't have a bye week but they were playing a really good team or a, a good team. And then in 2018 uh, they were they're playing a, a bad team but they had a bye between the loss. So uh, anyways, so I, you know, I don't know if that tells us anything because again, it's a very small sample size. But uh, at least that's been, and that's two also wins after that's also
1: not too, uh And I, I, don't mean to shortchange the 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 2016 team also, which you know I I do think was one of the four best teams in the country at the at the end of that season. Um, you no, know, they had two losses, of course, so they did not deserve to be in the playoff. But uh, that was a team lead that that ran the table in the Big Twelve. They went nine and zero in the conference and in November, pretty much beat the hell out of everybody so um hopefully last season and and all the close calls was kind of an anomaly and they will uh they'll they'll sort of just kind of regain their 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 spot at the top of the conference here in November I, they have a great chance to do it it's if they if they can run the table in November guys I mean we're we're talking about a really really fun November if they can do that and so hopefully they they get off on the right foot on Saturday
0: all right, uh, last order of business we have in this podcast. And we know that this is uh, probably going to be a little bit longer than some of our midweek podcasts. But since we haven't had one in a while, hopefully you guys are okay with that. But as you all know, uh, the rest of the podcast will be us talking about the Big 12 and then the national scene. So if you're, if you're tired of what we have to say, you can obviously finish up now and move on. Or if you want to hear us talk about the rest of college football, then feel free to join in. So uh, the Big 12, Grant. Some good games in the Big 12 this week, with the exception of Texas Tech and West Virginia. But uh, uh, Baylor goes to TCU for an 11-a.m. kick. We're going to pick that game. And then uh, Kansas State at Texas at 2.30 on Saturday. And Texas a seven-point favorite in that game. Uh, actually, we're going to pick that game as well, too. So, uh, I mean, that's. I feel like there's, there's always, maybe we're just biased, but the Big 12 provides some pretty interesting matchups the last few weeks. Or am I just kind of imagining that?
1: No, I the I was um my estimation of the Big Twelve this season was I mean was wrong. The Big Twelve is a monster this year. It's a really difficult conference to go through. It is, um, and I think this this is the best the conference has, um, at least this decade. The best this conference has been defensively, bar none. I don't even think it's close.
0: Just real quick, uh, I mean maybe we can discuss this when we did. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'll I'll save this topic for when we talk about the uh k-state texas game so uh the only game we're not picking in the big 12 is texas tech west virginia i mean west virginia grant i mean they gave baylor
1: a scare <laughs> last thursday i i mean you i Ooh, did you did you watch any of that game though yeah. yeah i mean that was a game that i mean like play by play i mean baylor freaking dominated that game like west virginia outside of baylor like two or three plays I mean, yeah i mean that, no that's not true i mean they moved the football they just they struggled to protect Brewer. Like the the Stills brothers kind of kinda worked Baylor's offensive line. But West Virginia was doing absolutely nothing on offense. Like I mean, they were totally stonewalled.
0: Yeah. yeah, they couldn't move the ball. I mean, yeah. But I mean, relative to, you know, an offense that's supposed to be as good as Baylor's offense. I mean, they they could not move the ball in that game
1: from what I I looked uh, yeah. looked at Bill Connolly's um his his advanced box score for that game afterwards. Baylor won that game 17 to 14. They had a 100% win expectancy based off of the numbers. <laughs> uh
0: all right. Well, uh, at this point these picks are just for fun cuz uh, you're you're not doing terrible. I'm I'm not doing very well uh, season long. Uh, we didn't do it last week obviously we didn't have a podcast, but 2 weeks ago you were 3 and 2, I was 2 and 3. On the season, you're 21 23 and 1 against the spread. I'm 19 25 and 1. Not very good college football this year. I apologize for that. But for the most part, this is kind of our segment where we just kind of talk about the, the state of college football. And so we had got a couple of Big 12 games in here. So, I mean, we were just talking about Baylor. Might as well do that one. I mean, Baylor is now 11th in the nation. And the Bears are only laying two points. Granted, they're on the road, but uh, only a two-point favorite at TCU. And TCU is coming off a loss on the road to Oklahoma State. Didn't watch as much of that game as I would have liked to because I was kind of busy on that Saturday. But um, I, I just – clearly TCU's getting better as the season progresses. They're, what did I say before the start of the year? If, if Gary Patterson can find a quarterback, he'll have a good team. If not, they're going to be bad. And at that time, we, we didn't know if it was going to be Delton or Duggan. Well, now it's Duggan. It's been Duggan basically the entire year. Alex Delton left the team. News that comes out Tuesday. And, uh, I mean, Duggan's a – he's definitely a better runner than he is a passer. He's very fast. He's very athletic. And he's he's doing some things for them, but uh, I just I really don't like TCU very much. Clearly, the defense is is good. It's Gary Patterson's defense, but uh, boy, that's a that's a short number. Baylor with a little extra time to prepare because they played on Thursday, but it is a road game against a tough TCU team. We just saw Baylor's offense. I mean, they they struggled against West Virginia. So, man, what I kind of. It makes me kind of want to lean towards TCU plus the two points because that's such a weird line. I know we talked about this a little bit too, but I think it's kind of where you're leaning too, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely lean TCU. Whenever you see a weird line, I, I mean, I right? Because you look at that, you see Baylor minus you know minus two at TCU. I think the, the internal logic is typically, wow, this is weird. Baylor is 8-0, TCU is 4-4. Why on earth is is Baylor only a two point favorite? So I think the the betting public is going to go heavy on Baylor here, in, in all uh, in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. But the weird line tells me that the smart better should probably be leaning towards TCU, and this it almost feels like a, a an exact replica of 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 Texas TCU two weeks ago.
0: Gosh, which we both whiffed on, and we're just I'm still mad about that. It was...
1: And so yeah, so I will. So I mean yeah, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Or you know, fool me once, shame on you. And you know, you know, you know this saying. Um, no, I think you should probably so go through. That's why, it real that's quick why I'm going to go with. That's why yeah, that's why I'm going to go with TCU here. But also at the same time, OU absolutely needs Baylor to win this game. It would be it, it would not not be good for OU at all if Baylor loses this game. All right, one of the. uh
0: maybe you'll know this grant because you're you're out in minnesota you are a uh minnesota golden gopher graduate and well, i don't know if i can make a pick in this game lee because i'm going to be there i'm calling it <laughs> you're calling the game you're, you can't oh that's one of the dumbest things ever i we're going long but I, I could probably go two to five minutes on how ridiculous i think it is whenever a guy's like oh i can't make a pick on this game i'm calling, like just make a
1: pick who cares who cares? Like, who are you trying to not offend? It's called journalistic integrity. I would think that you would be familiar yeah. with it because you are a journalist. Well, this is why I like Dusty Dvorak so much is that Dusty
0: called the OSU-TCU game this past week, and on the Blitz the week before, he made a pick on the game. So Dusty's not afraid to make a pick in a game he's calling because, you know, who cares? It's sports. It's, it's for fun. We're just having fun. Who cares? It's not like Dusty was rooting for one team or the other. He just likes college football. I'll tell you this, he wasn't rooting for either one of the teams. He just wanted to watch a good game. All right. So um Penn State at Minnesota. So is this the biggest game at Minnesota or for Minnesota in like what? Since the 60s?
1: Oh, I mean, there's there's an insane amount of superlatives with this game. Um, yes, this is this is the biggest Minnesota Golden Gopher game since 1961. Um, it is the biggest. Uh, they they opened up their their new stadium in 2009. It's by far the biggest game in the history of that stadium. Um, it's it, it's hard to describe, in, like unless you're a Golden Gopher fan, how enormous this football game is, and the in, all of the Twin Cities is talking about it. It is a huge deal. College Game Day made a huge mistake. Not coming this this weekend to Minnesota. That's what I was going to ask um, you that, about that. Yeah. That would have been that would have been the correct move. They they made a big mistake because um, and, and why is that? Because
0: people like listen like what do you mean? It's Minnesota football. Like, who cares about that? Why would it be a, a big deal for
1: college game day to be at Minnesota? They go to Alabama every single year. LSU Alabama is something that people have seen. They're going to be able to see for years afterwards. Hell, they're probably going to go there next year too. Um, Minnesota, I I, you know. I know I, I can be really hyperbolic here, but if College Game Day came to Minnesota for this game, it would have been the biggest crowd College Game Day has ever seen. I guarantee it. There would there would be close to two hundred thousand people there. And that's because um, why? Because the campus, the Twin Cities is huge. It's downtown, the, the campus is it's it's downtown. It's in downtown that's Minneapolis. What,
0: that's what I was trying to get you to. to like, if people that don't know about Minnesota, it's yeah, it's it's legitimately downtown. Like it's it's in a big city. And so if anybody, I mean, tr- did you watch any of the college game day this past weekend when they're in Memphis and it kind of looked like a pretty cool setting? I mean, Memphis, yeah, it looks really cool. I mean, it looks really cool. It would be like that in Minneapolis, but it would probably be even bigger because it's Minneapolis, not Memphis. it
1: would be. It would be the biggest crowd that college game day has ever gotten. And I'm 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 pretty certain about that. But hey, man, it's so, going to be cold there, though, isn't it? Maybe they don't they want to be cold. Yes. High is thirty five <laughs> and the kickoff is eleven a.m. So I will be a. Uh, Layers. I will be wearing lots of layers. The coldest game I have ever, of any sport I've ever been to, was 2013, um, Wisconsin at Minnesota, and at kickoff, Lee, it was minus 15 with a wind chill, and I was I was so cold. I think I was wearing like eight or nine layers. I had like I had like a thin pair of gloves on, and then a large pair of gloves on on top of that. I had an entire package of hand warmers and foot warmers on constant rotation. I even had hand warmers taped to my torso (laughs) on the inside. (laughs) I was so cold, and it was crazy. The first quarter of the game, there was a ton of action. There was a lot of really big plays. The final play of the first quarter, Minnesota um, intercepted Wisconsin, returned it for a touchdown, and that was the loudest I had ever heard that building, and I was warm. Everyone was up and jumping around. But then, after that play, Lee, the start of the second quarter, the big tiniest Big Ten game of all time broke out. <laughs> I don't even know if I don't even know if either team had more than five first downs the rest of the game. <laughs> was just unwatchable, and um, yeah, I, I just I, I froze and, my and butt off. And you froze off. to
0: death, and, and you're dead. You died.
1: I lived. <laughs> I lived, but man, yeah, I was in I was in sub zero temperatures for about five consecutive hours, and it was uh, it was miserable. So I'm hoping that, uh, geez, yeah, high of 35, that's, that's like a 50-degree difference. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we got to pick this game. And the line, I, actually, oh, the line's updated. Last I saw, it was 6.5. Now it's Penn State by 7. So let me go ahead and update that here in our rundown. All right, so I want to have a, a somewhat intelligent handicap with this, but it, it could just be a, a very uh, Joe... Joe Schmo handicap of it so you can tell me because you might know more about it because you know more about these teams but you were telling me the other day and then I saw Pro Football Focus come out with with the rankings like Minnesota's wide receiving core is actually some of the best like one of the best in the nation and I saw Pro Football it's
1: absolutely one of the five best groups in the country
0: yeah and Pro Football Focus had a ranking like that they ranked every single wide receiving core like all in all of college football I think Minnesota was like in the top five like, I think they were number four, just behind OU. Yeah, like OU was three. I think like I think number one, and number two was was probably LSU and Alabama. I want to say. Yep. Uh, and which is fine because I mean Alabama and LSU both they have great receiver. I mean they, those guys are really good. So so the fact that okay I was like wow I didn't know that Minnesota's receiving core was that good and I was looking at their numbers. I mean offensively Minnesota's been able to move the ball really well and granted their schedule has been pretty garbage but Minnesota's taking taking care of business i mean they're with the exception of what the season opener and who did who did they almost lose to south dakota state they were
1: no they were they were bad in september they're they were bad in their non-conference they they escaped against south dakota state um at home they escaped oh, wow, yeah. on the road at fresno state and then they escaped georgia southern at home Oh wow yeah you're right uh, but ever since big 10 play has started and they have uh outside of rutgers Every Big Ten team they've played so far is better than anyone they played in their non-conference. They have been utterly dominant. The, they have they have done nothing but just kick butt. They beat and it they is beat Purdue,
0: but Purdue stinks. Uh, Illinois is actually playing some okay football. They beat the crap out of Illinois. So that was a good win. Nebraska stinks. They killed Nebraska and Maryland also stinks, but they killed Maryland. So I mean, they haven't played anybody. That's that's
1: they haven't, but they are doing. They're doing to 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 bad and mediocre teams what good teams right. should do. They're blowing them out and they have not played a strong schedule this season and I think it's fair to to maybe criticize them for that, but that does not reflect how they have played and since since the end of September, they have absolutely played like a top 10 team in the country. And so the question This is
0: Sure. This. I was going to say. So so yeah, I mean there, you can always go both sides, everyone's got arguments, but but I I kind of like Minnesota plus the seven I, I mainly because I'm not the biggest Penn State guy I don't know if they've if if Minnesota's offense is as good as I honestly I haven't seen a snap of Minnesota I I don't know what they look like but if their offense is actually that good I know that Penn State's got a really good defense and they haven't seen a defense this good so you know something's got to give there but uh I, I mean getting seven points at home on a team that's that's having one of its best seasons ever, and PJ Fleck having has him going. Sure, you could make the argument. Penn State's been here before. They're going to be a lot more battle tested, and, and they're not going to you know get butterflies, or they're not going to be intimidated by the moment. You know, maybe maybe not. And Minnesota could be, but I, Penn State's offense isn't very good, and I think Minnesota's defense is actually pretty solid. You can correct me if I'm wrong. So, I you know what, this is a game. It's a Big Ten game. I so i'm not sure what the total is let's see what the over under is for this game it's like if it's a low over under 47 and a half that's that's a pretty low number i i'm gonna take the points
1: i like minnesota plus the seven grant i i now lean minnesota now that they've gotten that extra hook um i i i was leaning penn state when it was that six and a half um but, yeah, I mean, now that Minnesota got that extra half point, I, I do lean the Gophers probably. And so I will try to handicap this game, Lee. Um, the two biggest mismatches in this game involve the Gopher offense. Um, number one biggest mismatch is Penn State's defensive front against Minnesota's offensive line. They ha- Minnesota's offensive line has been a lot better uh, since, uh, since October started, but in the first three games of the season they were atrocious struggling to block those three aforementioned uh, bad teams. Um, The other big mismatch, Lee, is Minnesota's wide receiver core against Penn State's freshman corners. And so I am not blowing smoke about Minnesota's wide receivers. Rashad Bateman is a first-rounder. He is very good. Tyler Johnson is probably a day-two pick, probably a second-round pick. He was the Big Ten receiver of the year last year. And then their third guy, Chris Ottman Bell, is a big body who is not scared to go over the middle of the field, and he's already made a couple huge plays this season. He made he made two of, of kind of the seminal plays in September when they really needed a play against those the, those those mediocre teams that they beat earlier. Um, so that's a really big mismatch in this game, is Minnesota's professional receivers against an inexperienced Penn State secondary. Um, So if if Minnesota can give Tanner Morgan enough time to throw that that's how they win this game. And so going over to the flip side of that, um, I think Penn State's offense is a little more limited than people are willing to to realize Um, KJ Hamler is what makes their defense or is what makes their offense go. And if he's not making plays in the passing game, Penn State's very one dimensional. Here's where I think that gets interesting with, with the Gophers, Lee. The Gophers have, have, have a defender on their team, a safety by the name of Antoine Winfield Jr., who not a lot of people know about. But after this game on Saturday, they might. I think he's the best safety in college football. Um, and he's going to be a big uh, a big deal in trying to stop K.J. Hamler, or at least limiting, limiting him. So if if the Gophers can leverage those advantages that they have, if they can put Antoine Winfield Jr. in positions to make plays on defense to shadow K.J. Hamler, they're going to be putting themselves in a really good position on the defensive side of the ball. And if they can formulate a game plan to get the ball into the hands of those receivers on the outside against those inexperienced corners, they can have a really good chance of winning this game. Add in a home field advantage, which is which should be The most energetic crowd in the history of that stadium and maybe an early kick and maybe a cold uh you know a cold day as well i think a lot of the time you have to maybe give the the nod there to the home team that's the handicap the the one thing that you're not sure of is minnesota has played a weak schedule penn state's played a pretty formidable schedule to this point and penn state is going to have more nfl talent on this team from top to bottom And I think if you're picking Penn State, that's probably why you're going to pick them. Um, But now that Minnesota got that extra half point, I think the wise thing is to probably lean Gophers here. Okay. Good handicap. Let's go to
0: the K-State-Texas game. Kansas State now 20th in the nation at Texas, but Texas is laying seven at home against a ranked opponent. And what I wanted to talk about when it comes to Kansas State, I mean, if you're a Kansas State fan, how jacked are you right now about the way things are going with chris Kleiman. like i mean if if you weren't excited about him when he was first hired that probably means you don't know much about chris Kleiman. but now fast forward to you know they're six and two they just beat oklahoma they just destroyed kansas when and what was i think i may have heard was the first time ku sold out a game since like 2009 uh i mean kansas state fans have got to be just super excited right now considering the way that program has been i mean
1: hey let me uh let me give some credit to Kansas State. I I made a comment on our last podcast that they were going to lose against Kansas and Lawrence, and that very obviously did not happen. They showed up and they they beat the brakes off of them. Kansas had no chance whatsoever. So I just wanted to mention that. Hats off to Kansas State. Good job.
0: So yeah, I just wanted to bring up that you know congratulations for that fan base because they got to be incredibly excited with the way things are going there. Interesting game. Uh, I mean, Texas. Is Texas coming off a bye? Is the last game they played TCU? Yes. Yeah. I I mean they're coming off a really bad loss to TCU. And at this point, like what is Texas playing for? I mean, do they still have a chance to
1: get the Big 12 title game? Um I, mean, I guess
0: everyone kind of probably uh, does. Yeah, on yeah, wins yeah and absolutely.
1: Walk. Absolutely they do. If they uh if they beat Well yeah, they gotta win out. They have to win out because if they beat Baylor, they'd have the tiebreaker over Baylor. OU would also need to beat Baylor. But yeah, if if Texas wins out there in the big 12 title game, it
0: just I just saw this Kansas State team, I mean, I don't know, I, I guess you could do like the look ahead line thing too. like I mean, heck, what was this line probably in August, like Texas by three to four touchdowns? definitely three touchdowns no
1: no 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 no. not that many
0: i mean texas i would say like was a top 10 team what a top 15 team i mean yeah but
1: vegas never really looked at him that way especially last year as well okay. well it would have like, been, been i don't
0: okay so e- easily two touchdowns though Texas would have been like
1: 16 and a half i bet something like that so i know a
0: lot of things have changed you know so i mean you, you could make the argument that you're getting a lot of value here with texas so i i mean i was telling you off the air i, I This could be just smoke, but I want to say I've heard that in situations where a home team is not ranked and is a favorite against a ranked team, the home team actually does really well against the spread (laughs) and does really well straight up, obviously. So uh, that makes me think that uh, the play here is probably Texas. So I'm going to go, I'm just going to lean Texas because I don't really like Texas right now. You know, I kind of, I like Texas because they just lost to TCU. They're not going to take Kansas State lightly. But yeah, but can't, their defense though, how is their defense going to be able to to slow down Kansas State? That's like this really is, okay. So, and that's
1: where, okay, but that's where I I'm, I don't worry as much, Lee, because what if you could if you could extract one strength of the Texas defense? What is it? It's attacking the run game. Yeah. Like the the more I look at this, I really like Texas in this game. Okay. Um. Yeah. You got. Kansas State, the thing that they do the best is 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 creatively attack you from under center in the in the run game. What does Texas do best on, or what does Todd Orlando do best, creatively attacking the run game, which they're going to do. I, I they're they're going to stonewall Kansas State a little bit in this game, and also I, I still think Texas's offense is really good, and they're at home, and I I, th- I think this is a a I think this is a pretty easy Texas pick actually. Let's see. Just like
0: how, uh, what was the one a week or two ago? Texas
1: where, TCU was pretty easy for me too, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> well, there's another one too. Where it was like, I think Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma State Baylor. I think was like, oh, this is pretty clearly an Oklahoma State, and then Baylor just walloped them. I think that was another one of those games too, where like the side was was Oklahoma State. But uh, anyways, uh, okay, so we're both on Texas. I I, I I'll just do a, give a give a lean to Texas, but I think it's a pretty good handicap again. Uh, we're going to save the biggest game of the the year
1: <laughs> and obviously week for the last. Uh, let's do Iowa. Oh, I don't know, Lee. If you listen to the, if you listen to the media and how they're talking about how the loser of that game is, is in the playoff. Anyway, I could argue that it's the game literally means nothing. So well, I could,
0: I'm happy. I haven't listened to the pundits say that because I haven't heard that, but I'm not surprised to hear that. That's a talking point. Uh, that's so lame. Um, all right. So Iowa, Wisconsin, let's just be quick on this one. I, God, Wisconsin laying almost ten. Wisconsin minus nine and a half.
1: I lean Iowa. In I that just one.
0: that's too many points. I mean, this is like two teams that can't really move the ball and like have good defense. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess I lean Iowa too. So that's that's a lot of points um for.
1: I just I feel it's like a get, lot of points in a game that that is probably going to be low scoring. I think. Yeah. Like yeah, would it would point. it shock me if Wisconsin beats Iowa by ten? Of course not well no no but, but yeah it's, yeah it's just i it's I'm just, I'm just trying to go just logic in terms of betting
0: the total i mean i was talking about the total in that penn state minnesota game is 47 and a half. it's kind of low i guess that's not that low now look at this iowa wisconsin total 38 and a half. <laughs> like yeah i think i'll take the points uh i mean i hate iowa's offense i hate wisconsin's offense <sighs> but uh yeah anyways that's whatever that I hate the Big Ten. All right, let's go LSU Alabama, and uh, let's see if this is updated. Bama is still a six and a half point favorite according to ESPN's lines. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I like LSU. I, I like LSU plus the points there. I just I'm getting all those points with LSU. I, I realize that that's probably gonna a lot of people are gonna actually you know what the fact that this has already moved to six and a half that means that means money was coming out on Bama because I saw this was at six yesterday. So I mean. People are coming on Bama because it's Bama at home, and uh, you know I, I don't know how healthy two is going to be. Uh, I the fact that Bama, I it's annoying that they they have a buy. Both teams are coming off a buy that annoys me because I really wanted this to be a you know no buy. Just next week, Nick Saban only has a week to prepare for a team that actually has a really good offense because that rarely ever happens to Alabama in the regular season. It just doesn't ever really happen to them. They get the extra week, so factor that But still, it's
1: it's not. This is the best passing offense that Nick Saban has ever faced in the SEC, and I don't even know if it's particularly close. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it, and so it's it's not quite one week to prepare. It's two weeks, so it's but it's not five to six weeks like it's a bowl game, which is I think why Nick Saban can do so well against those Big Twelve and those high flying offenses with all that time to prepare, because he just he he can figure out and he can get super prepared for the opposing offense and, and slow it down. Whereas like we've, we've argued all the time over the years, the big 12 is so tough because there's a lot of good offenses and it's tough to go week in and week out against offenses that can put up 50 on you. And the big 12 doesn't have as many offenses anymore that can just put up 50 on you at any time, but there's still a good amount of them that can still score a lot of points. So I, I like LSU. I like LSU plus a six and a half. And it, it mainly it's because of that. Um, I, I, I think the offense, that offense is, is really good, and I, there's not as much time to prepare as Alabama normally has. And I'm not so sure about the health of Tua. And I know that Alabama's defense hasn't been as good this year. Uh, I know LSU's defense is not that great, so Alabama's going to probably get their points as well. But, uh, I, uh, I, yeah, I'm just – I'm kind of uh, – this, this could be uh, – I've been basically on LSU all year long, ever since the beginning. I, I was burned by them against Auburn. I thought they beat Auburn by more. But, you know what, I'm going to jump back on the LSU train again plus six and a half what do you think
1: I mean I also lean LSU but I'm tempted to take Bama just so we don't have the exact same picks um I mean my handicap on this is that pretty much every single time that Nick Saban has lost in his entire career at Alabama it's been because of a team able to execute like a, a, a spread passing game that's why he loses and I think Ellis I mean what LSU is doing right now is like I said I don't think the SEC has ever seen a passing offense this good So, oh, it um, hasn't. There's no way.
0: I mean, no, I'm not an SEC expert, but I'd be willing to bet that on a yards per play basis, passing yards per game. This has got to still be more than the old like Steve Spurrier, Florida teams. I I would bet. I I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe those. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah, those Spurrier teams are probably we're probably up there, but I don't know, man. LSU is really fun to watch. I I never in a million years would I ever think that I would say that. <laughs> about an lsu and like especially with like pretty much the exact same personnel as last year too it's crazy um yeah the the joe brady guy what what i mean the chances of him being an nfl head coach next year have got to be through the roof right yeah it, you know the question is how much does him and the other and i feel so
0: bad what's the other guy's name i can't even remember the I don't even know their other their co-offensive coordinator or whatever like how much does he do because Joe Brady gets all the love but it's it's not just him. There's there's two guys up there collaborating. And so I I don't know, yeah. I mean, he's I'm sure he's putting he's giving himself a, a great chance. I mean, he's
1: already had the NFL background coming from the Saints, so so um. I will let let me play a little Devils advocate though just a little bit. Um, you know, Alabama is at home, which means something. Um, I I am I may be in the minority. I expect Tua to be 100% healthy. I I mean I think he's going to be fine. And also, we do need to factor in that one of LSU's best defensive players, Michael Divinity, left the team. He will not be playing. He's off the team. He's um, one of their best so, players. Yeah. Really? He had, th- he had you know, yeah, he had 3 sacks on the season, which is not, you know, not earth-shattering or anything, but he's one of their best players up front. And that is, you know, in a game like this where it could come down to, you know, could, go, could, could come down to one play, one drive, etc. You know, if you're missing a guy who's really talented, a guy who might play in the NFL, that's significant. So um, I think that maybe has to be part of the handicap as well, especially for an LSU defense that has, you know, ha- has given up some this year. LSU has played one competent passing offense this year, and Sam Ellinger had a whole lot of success in that game, throwing the ball. So, And this is, you know, as good as LSU's passing offense is, Alabama has Tua, who might be the number one pick in the draft, and they have one of the best receiving cores I have ever seen in the college game. So, you know, Alabama's not coming into this game with an empty chamber.
0: And it's the simple Nick Saban versus Ed Orgeron, and also Alabama shut out LSU last year in Baton Rouge. But
1: But also, also, I mean, this game's going to be a a shootout, and it's going to be great. Like, I mean, this is, this is a must watch game, but, and then, you know, the thing that I said earlier about the game not mattering, that's, that's in reference to kind of the media narrative that's already, geez, that started forming a month ago already about two SEC teams in, people are already talking about how the loser of this game is already going to be ahead of, of other one loss conference champions. People don't realize with that logic, that means this game is literally meaningless, means nothing if that, if that comes to fruition, which, you know, of course is stupid, but <laughs> yeah i mean georgia and
0: florida already played an, essentially a playoff game last week so i mean why can't this just be a playoff game too
1: yeah that's what i don't understand <laughs> why people why why people just don't understand that logic that is the exact same logic as in any other sports league on planet earth and it's just it i don't know I mean, I'm, I'm already getting worked yeah. up about about how awful like december is going to be with that stuff you guys remember how pissed off I was last year with the Georgia nonsense? That was, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. That was, it was total nonsense. Total nonsense.
0: <sighs> all righty. Well, that's uh, our picks for the week and our thoughts on college football. Again, the uh, playoff rankings coming out later tonight, so we don't have those. But again, Grant and I are both of the mindset that they don't matter that much or really at all until the end. So, uh, pretty long episode today. Uh, I, you know, I might end up breaking this up into two parts. We'll see. We'll see just because, you know, you go into your podcast player and you see ep- episodes two hours long. That's it's kind of intimidating. I don't I don't want you guys to be intimidated and not play because it's too long. So, you know, Grant, what do you th- think I should break it up into two parts? Maybe.
1: I mean, I don't think it's a terrible idea where. Yeah, I might do we're that. recording the day earlier now. So we can get the jump on people.
0: Maybe I'll yeah, maybe I'll release one like, you know, tonight, like, you know, one day and then the other part the next day. So it's almost like there's two podcasts. People might like that. Uh, you know, some of the some of you diehards that really love this show and, and wish there was more episodes, it might might appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah we'll do that. Um, all right. So, any final thoughts, Grant?
1: No, I'm just um, I'm excited for uh, for a week of college football after basically taking the week off. Um, like I said, I will be at that Minnesota Penn State game, and I will report back uh, to everyone else just sort of what the atmosphere is like and and all that. I'm excited to go to that game. It is um, it's an opportunity to see a historical moment and I think that's really cool so hopefully I, I'm able to share some good memories uh, for everyone from that game but other than that I will be back home and uh, on my couch in front of the tv ready for OU Iowa State on Saturday night all right
0: uh, I'm not sure if I'll be at the game on Saturday now. I think more about it it's you know, we're in the NBA season Steve McGee follows the thunder at News 9 in Oklahoma City so whenever Steve's out I'm the person that fill in and is the anchor on the weekend so I, you know i i hadn't thought about this until now i might not be able to go to the game on saturday so uh but oh well uh, that's why they have tv uh anyways so yeah enjoy that game seven o'clock under the lights finally uh you know i guess we didn't talk about that at all uh, finally a non-11 a.m kick you know maybe we can talk about that later if we even care we it. clearly it's not that big of a deal because we didn't even think about it uh all right until next time for grant i am lee This is West of Everest.